0: Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast. We are four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're
1: here. Hello, everyone welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. In season one, you heard snapshots of Harmony and Heather's homeschool experiences. This season, it's Lindsay and I's turn, and we are super excited to talk to you, share our homeschooling stories, journeys, successes, and failures. And today, we have Lindsay on the hot seat. So, Lindsay... I know you, but maybe give a little background to our listeners on the, the woman you are and then what led you to homeschooling.
0: Sure. Um, I'm excited to talk about this tonight. So uh, I'm Lindsay, as we already said, I am a wife and a mom to three kids. My kids are ages 12, 10, and 7. I am also a flower farmer and floral designer, currently in Michigan for about another three weeks, and then our family is actually relocating to the Nashville, Tennessee area. I've been married for almost 14 years and we have been homeschooling from the beginning. So this is year eight for us. And I never set out to be a homeschooler. I always say, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, which I probably need to move that up to about 11 years now, because I think 10 years ago, the bug to start homeschooling was kind of put in our ear. But when we first had kids, we had no intention to homeschool. I didn't really know anyone who had been homeschooled. I knew one person who homeschooled when I. I was a child growing up, but it was nothing our family ever looked into. And then when my husband and I lived in Kentucky for a few years, right after we were engaged and married and we had our first child down there, we met a couple through a home church that homeschooled their kids. And they were in a really unique situation where the husband's father had created some system that a lot of companies use for inventory tracking. And so they were very wealthy and both mom and dad stayed home. And they also, Had a couple biological children and a few adopted children. So they had several children and they were all homeschooled by mom and dad both at home. But we just loved the way that their family related to each other and just seeing the siblings together and just a different way to do education for your kids. I think that planted the seed for us. And I started looking into homeschooling a little bit when our oldest was probably about three. We started to kind of consider it. And then the year that he was four, was when we really decided to give it a go, mostly because the year following that, when he would have gone to kindergarten at five, Michigan went to full day mandatory kindergarten in the public schools. And I'm just really not a big fan of that long of a day for such young children. And also our oldest at the time, he was still taking like two to three hour naps a day and he was reading. So I thought that he would be tired and bored and probably a disciplinary issue for any kindergarten teacher. So when he was
1: four, we decided to give a co-op a try and we just really have back since. I love that. Now, I know that kids change over the years. And so that means our homeschools change over the years too. How has your homeschool changed, Lindsay?
0: When I really think about it, there's very little that hasn't changed. We have changed so much. So for example, when we first started homeschooling, we joined a uh, classical co-op in our area. It was just starting up that year. So we thought, well, we wanted to be around other homeschoolers And that was a a good way for us to meet some other families who were homeschooling. It was a really good fit for us for the first few years. I do think that it gave me the confidence to homeschool, being around the other parents who were homeschooling and seeing all the things my kids learned. And classical, I think it kind of gets a reputation of being very academic, which I would agree that it is for the most part. So it was pretty impressive, like the things my kids were learning. When my daughter was three, she said her favorite song was this little history song about William the Conqueror. And you know, that was kind of like her party trick we could pull out. But after a couple of years, the classical model just wasn't a great fit for my kids. I think for me as a teacher, I really loved it because I could see the learning that was going on. But my two older kids started to push back and just tell me that they really weren't enjoying it. And I had to check myself and be like, well, if they're not enjoying it, why are we doing this? Because we have the freedom to make sure that they're engaged and enjoying their learning. So why do something that they're not enjoying? So we decided to pull out of the classical co-op, which when we left the co-op, we kind of left the model behind a little bit too. There's still maybe some things I use from it, but not a whole lot. And then our family is all very voracious readers. So the Charlotte Mason method then really appealed to me with all of the living books. And I, I feel like we have stayed pretty close to that model, lots of time in nature, lots of living books, at least some of the tenets of Charlotte Mason. But it seems like every year we get a little more relaxed. So the first year we were homeschooling, I had like a dedicated school room and maps on the walls. And, you know, like those little like kindergarten calendar where you put the day in and the weather and things like that. And, you know, now of course, like my kids are older too. So they're doing more of their education independently, but we're like flopped all over the house where, you know, maybe even three or four years ago, I would Never let them skip a subject on a day. Now I'm like, uh, like we'll just get to science next time. You know, I, because I know that they're gonna get what they need. And I think probably the biggest change is that I trust myself and I trust my kids. And my confidence is much higher than it was at the beginning. But it's fun to look back and see how much really has changed. I think sometimes people assume like you're still homeschooling after all this time. Like it's really looked the same. But for us, I mean, every year and probably even within a year, there's, you know, seasons that look different.
1: Sure, for us too. Now I often hear from other parents we could never homeschool. I could never homeschool <laughs> because, and they list some perceived personality flaw that they see in themselves. They're not patient or they're not organized or they're not whatever. They insert some reason. But you and I know that homeschool parents are far from perfect. Mm-hmm. So how has homeschool changed you as a mom and a person? We know what it's done for our kids. We can see yeah. that. Yeah. But what about some self-reflection, Lindsay? How has oh, it changed you?
0: I say all the time, jokingly, but also not that homeschool made me a rebel <laughs> because I was such, especially growing up, like such a people pleaser. I was teacher's pet. I never, you know, I always wanted to have the right answer. I never wanted to disappoint anyone. Those two things were like a kryptonite for me. I just couldn't handle it. And then I knew, even I remember like telling my parents and my in-laws that we were going to homeschool and being pretty kid- worried about what their reaction would be, Um, especially my mother in law because she is a public school educator. And really though, she has been our biggest supporter, probably all of our parents are on board with it, which is great, but just having her support has been really important. So that was kind of like my first step into thinking a little more critically, maybe about the way we do things as a society and really questioning, like, why do we do it that way? And do we have to do it that way? Is that the only way? I think it's changed me a lot in that way, being a little bit more of a critical thinker and being more willing to go to, go outside of those societal norms and not worry about what everyone's going to think so much. And it led me to question a lot of things like, why didn't I learn some of these things, especially like in history about maybe our country's complicity with racism? Why did I think for a long time that like Native Americans were like only in the past (laughs) that there aren't indigenous people living today? So it's really caused me to question a lot of things, even to the point that I think that homeschooling was a big part of me deciding to be sober just because I I looked at the way we treat alcohol in our society and decided I didn't want to do that anymore. So I know it probably sounds a little melodramatic to be like, it changed everything, but I really feel like it's changed so much. And I wonder all the time if I would be the person I was today if I hadn't started homeschooling the kids. Because, you know, it's one of those things where I think we do a lot of things in life saying we're going to do it for our kids and don't realize the benefits it's going to bring to our lives as well. But this definitely has. For sure.
1: I love that. What is your greatest strength as a homeschooler? Hmm.
0: I think it's easy for me to think my weakness, but... um my for all of us. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I have to say curiosity. In our family, we say curiosity is a superpower. I really enjoy learning alongside of my kids. I feel like homeschooling is a second chance at my own education. Kind of like I mentioned before with getting to relearn history or even just realizing how much world history I didn't know just because the world is so big and you only have world history for a couple of years in school growing up. So... It's great to learn more about it as an adult. And I think I'm always willing to consider like new perspectives and ideas, even for my kids. And I think even a few years ago, I would have saw that as pushback or something. But well, now that I try to really value curiosity when they say, well, why do we have to do something this way? You know, of course you want to say, because I said so. And sometimes that is appropriate, but a lot of times I'll be like, yeah, you're right. Why are we doing it that way? Or why do we have to do this? So just staying open-minded and curious, I think it's led us to a lot of adventures. I think that the more I'm willing to be open-handed with things and curious every year, our homeschool gets a little better because we're working together as a team and we're not just taking things as the status quo quo like we keep
1: asking how can we make this better I love it I want a curiosity is my superpower t-shirt
0: that should be the first relatable homeschoolers merch yes yes
1: All right. Now, I know both Lindsay and I are farmers, so I think Harmony put us together for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) We can talk homeschooling on the farm all day long. Uh, So I know some of what traits make your homeschool unique, but I'd love to hear from you, Lindsay. What really makes your homeschool yours?
0: That's so funny that you asked that because when I was thinking about this question, I really didn't think of the day-to-day stuff too much, but you're right. like Homeschooling on a farm is unique. I am a seasonal farmer because I do mostly flowers and I don't really do a lot of seasonal. An extension. So it is nice that my busiest season, mostly for farm work is my slowest season for homeschooling. That does help a bit to balance things. But also, I mean, we basically have a botany lab in our house because I'm either starting seeds or teaching the kids how to propagate dahlias from the tubers. And that probably makes it pretty unique. One of the things that I thought of in answering this question is that we are a religious family that homeschools with mostly secular materials and approach. So we're Christians and we have just found that a lot of the Christian published homeschool materials are a little conservative for our family and maybe have some things that I don't want to teach my kids. So I use more secular materials. So it kind of puts us in a weird position where we're like a little bit too secular for some of the (laughs) Christian homeschoolers and a little too Christian for the secular homeschoolers. And it's been mostly good though, I will say. Like it just has led to some good conversations and stuff, but we haven't felt like we have this really tight in group of other homeschoolers just because we're kind of on the outsides of two different realms, I guess. And then we just have like a big focus on human rights in our homeschool. That's something that's come along Probably in the last two or three years, especially as my kids are, my older kids are kind of becoming teens and tweens. Because of our faith, we talk a lot about like, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to love people in your life as yourself? So, for that reason, we talk a lot about anti racism or LGBTQ issues, human trafficking, all different kinds of things that are, you know, kind of bigger issues. And now that my kids are older, they're more appropriate topics. But I
1: love that we can include that in our homeschool because I've set the curriculum. So speaking of curriculum, Lindsay, how do you choose that? And we've said on this podcast many times, the problem isn't finding curriculum. The problem is there's too much curriculum. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so how do you make those decisions in light of your priorities and what makes your homeschool unique? How do you look for curriculum? What do you look for when you're looking at the vast array that we have to choose from?
0: Oh, it's it can definitely be overwhelming. You're right. And I think that we live in such like a magical time because of the internet, but it's... It's, you know, a blessing and a curse because I think about the people who had to homeschool 20 and 30 years ago, and there was maybe one or two publishers, that was it, unless you created your own thing. And like those people, I give them so much credit because that is very challenging because you either went with what was already published or you had to really make your own stuff. And now it is just a wealth of stuff that's out there. I think that, I mean, obviously the internet is uh, very helpful, but for me, I've always listened to other homeschoolers, especially ones who have kids that are just a little older than mine, and asked them what they were using. And I know when we first started homeschooling, we chose a math curriculum just based on what everybody else in the co-op was using. And it was a great fit for our kids for several years. And I was glad to have other moms around me who, you know, were sharing what they had used and what was working with their kids. Now that we've been doing it for a few years, I feel like I have a few publishers or content creators that like I go to all the time so it's it's definitely gotten easier the longer we've done it because just like anything else you do if you are really into cooking well you find out the people you like their recipes or their cookbooks from and you don't even bother with the rest and it's that way with our curriculum now too i i would say i order the majority of our stuff from rainbow resources just because their prices are great and they tend to have everything i'm looking for amazon for a lot of our books or used other used book places because we try to buy a lot of our stuff used if possible just to save money because when you're homeschooling for kids, it can get pretty expensive when they're in three different grades. But yeah, I think that the internet is your best friend and your worst enemy (laughs) when looking for curriculum.
1: Agreed. What does a day look like? In your homeschool, just if we're gonna pop in for a day, what might we see?
0: Yeah, so our days right now are kind of unique because, like I said, we're kind of getting ready to move because we just had to do the whole house sale and your house showing where everything has to look perfect. I went through the curriculum and was like, anything we are not a hundred percent using and is really necessary right now is getting packed away. So we're kind of on a um, like a bare bones bit of a curriculum right now. Usually, my kids get up before me. I used to be a really early riser. The last couple months, I've just really wanted to sleep in, especially in the winter. Once it's cold and dark in Michigan, it's hard to get me out of bed in the morning. So I'm usually up around seven and at least my youngest, if not my middle two are up before me. Lately, I wake up to them. I go out and get my coffee and they are playing a board game. This morning it was chess, which I was really excited. Everyone in my family plays chess except for me. So I've decided I really need to learn. The seven-year-old can play chess and I should probably at 39 be able to play chess. They were listening to like Indian rap. (laughs) (laughs) while they were playing chess. So it was like a lot going on in the morning today to wake up to that. But I let them play. I have my coffee, and I usually just kind of sit for a bit and drink my coffee. And I sit under my sun lamp for my seasonal depression <laughs> and start my day. After that, for me, about 20 minutes or so, I kind of gather up the kids and we clean up from breakfast. Everybody in my house kind of does breakfast on their own now. They're all old enough to manage that, so they eat breakfast. We clean up, and then we head over to our couch for morning time. And like during morning time, it's not like a very fancy thing. It's just we read together, and that's kind of our time to set our day. So we'll talk a little bit about what we're going to do for the day, if we have any appointments or anything coming up, just kind of like a daily meeting overview. And then we have just a rotation of books that I read through. So today we read some Emily Dickinson poetry, and we're doing a read aloud. That is one of the Rick Rorden Presents books called Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky. And they're really loving that. We usually have a science book and a history book. And my oldest is studying world religions this year and world geography. So we read some of those. Those books today. And that probably takes about an hour. We usually sit for about an hour in the morning. Um, my kids are allowed to like kind of fidget with things. Like usually the youngest one has Legos. My middle one is usually drawing. My oldest one will kind of just sit there and we'll read together. And then after that, the older two, they go and they get their workbooks out if they have like math is the one thing we always use a workbook for just it's easiest. And then they might have like some writing to do or something like that. And while the older two are doing that. That's usually when I help my little guy, he's still learning to read. So I kind of do some more intensive reading practice with him. You know, he's seven. So pretty much his, he has morning time. He has a reading, a little bit of handwriting and math with me. And then he's set loose for the day. So he's definitely done by 11 every day. If not earlier, he is very motivated to get his work done. So often he's already done his handwriting and his math for the day before I'm even out of bed. <laughs> So, um, sometimes he's done very early. And then my other two kids, you know, they're kind of finishing up. They have a little bit more to do cause they might have a writing assignment or something. And they're usually done by one. And then after, lunch and after their schoolwork is done they're allowed to do like an hour of we call it tech time at our house like technology time and so they'll play online games or my daughter's like really into art tutorials on YouTube so we'll do some of that for a little while and then after that we either go outside or play some board games or read books or very very occasionally take a nap until dinner time and then usually after dinner we're playing more games and doing more read alouds especially in the winter in the summer it looks a lot different because we're going outside a lot more but right now
1: we're kind of I love that. It looks very similar to us. What has been your greatest homeschooling challenge? What's been a hard spot?
0: I can think of two. My daughter is dyslexic. We got the formal diagnosis when she had, she was either just about to turn eight or she just turned eight. I can't remember exactly, but I had suspected for a while, you know, I could tell that she was struggling. And because we homeschool, I am pretty relaxed about when kids learn to read because I know that it's not like everyone turns five and magically learns to read. A lot of that has to do with kids' motivation to learn to read. And she was. And highly motivated to learn. But once she started to be more ma- motivated, we really noticed how difficult it was for her. So it was really hard to see her um, struggle with that. We've done a little bit of tutoring and you know we have a formal diagnosis now. So I'm better able to find curriculum that is, I guess, more beneficial for people with dyslexia. And we talk about it a lot. So I think that she feels a little more empowered because she realizes why it's difficult for her. And then a lot of it too was just changing what my idea of reading looked like. So she does more audio books. And she's really into graphic novels. Now, especially is an amazing time for graphic novels. For Christmas, we just got her the Wrinkle in Time graphic novel. They're making graphic novels of all these really great books. So she still gets to experience some of those books that I remember from my childhood that I feel like are classics or like must reads, but she gets to do it on a level that works better for her brain. That has been really helpful. But it's been hard because her older brother was a very early and very proficient reader. It just led to like a lot of discussions in our house. And we just have to, you know, talk a lot about everyone is different. Um, Everyone has different gifts and and different challenges and that we need to work with what we got. So along kind of the same lines, off and on through my adulthood, I've really struggled with depression and anxiety. And I've had a couple pretty low lows and we were homeschooling. And I actually remember being in a therapist's office and um, her asking me a lot about homeschooling. She was thinking it was contributing, you know, to my depression and anxiety by just putting too much stress on me. And that was like the one thing I said, you know, it makes me sad to even think about not homeschooling my kids. And if one day we don't homeschool anymore, you know, I'll adjust, but I wasn't ready to give it up at the time. It actually brings me a lot of peace to homeschool the kids because that's our natural rhythm and has been for so many years now. But it just means that we have to talk a lot, especially in the winter about maybe I'm going to have a low day. So we're going to watch some documentaries that day, or I've just had to be really open with my kids about talking about mental health in a way that wasn't done in my family growing up. And I'm glad that we can talk about it because my kids have, also experience some anxiety too, just like situational, but there's a really good chance, you know, genetically that one of them may have similar challenges that I have. So it's been a challenge. I think I get like that mom guilt of, am I doing what's best for my kids, you know, right now, or maybe I I could be serving them better if I wasn't struggling, but I've got a great partner. You know, my husband is awesome and he's picked up the slack when I've had to just kind of take the back seat for a little bit and work on myself. And like I said, like it's brought a lot of benefits to our family too.
1: And coupled with that, what has been your favorite homeschool memory? What will just stand out for you, Lindsay, that you'll look back on decades from now as a true joy in homeschooling? It's hard to pick just one
0: because I feel like we've had so many good times, but I think the most memorable was probably a field trip we went on the year before last. We did an overnight field trip at the Toledo Zoo with our co-op. So you got like night access to the zoo and the zookeepers took you around and you stopped at the different exhibits and got to see the animals at night with infrared light. So you could see like the big cats are more active at night night. They're nocturnal, so they're running around and stuff. And then we got to sleep in the aquarium. We all brought sleeping bags and air mattresses. And like, we fell asleep next to this enormous tank with sharks and jellyfish and fish. And I just remember thinking like, this is so awesome. Like, I think I was excited as my kids and maybe even more so about it. I would totally have gone just as an adult, but it was just one of those really unique things to be able to share with my kids. And then the next morning you're already at the zoo because you've slept there. So you get kind of like early access to the zoo before anyone else is there. And and they got to do it with their friends from co-op too, which was really special. Like it's not just a memory for our family, it's for several families. And so the kids still talk about it with their friends
1: quite a bit. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I want to go sleep over at the zoo.
0: <laughs> I know they need to have an adult day.
1: <laughs> That's right. Is there anything else you'd like to share to encourage others or share part of your journey? I
0: think that we know as homeschoolers that there's a lot of misconceptions about homeschoolers. Maybe that we're socially awkward, or that we're insular and don't want to let new people in, or that we must be like the most patient saints in the whole world, because we can deal with our kids all day. And I just want to tell people that we're just like anybody else. And you don't have to be like this superhero of a parent to be a homeschooler. I know parents who work full time, like Harmony, that homeschool. I know parents with kids who have some pretty significant either neurological differences, or physical challenges that homeschool. I would not consider myself a very patient person and I homeschool, although my patience has grown. (laughs) <laughs> but it's still, it's still not what people imagine it to be. And I think too, just that if school in a public or private school setting or whatever is not working for your kid, just give it a try. You know, if that's like the curiosity piece is You can try new things. And like, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Nothing's permanent, right? This is all temporary. So I just want to encourage people that if something isn't working for your kid, and if that includes if your homeschool isn't working for your kid, try something different, right? But
1: just always be willing and open to new opportunities. That is excellent advice. Well, Thank thanks. you, Lindsay. Thanks. thanks for sharing your life with us, how you got started, and what has been happening on the way. I can't wait to see how your kids grow up. I'm excited to watch them.
0: Oh, thanks, Annie. This has been so fun. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at therelatablehomeschoolers. We'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.